That was the deepest breath I've ever, you know that's going to be the first thing people hear is you just <laughs> ripping, like you're vaping just God's own air. Wow, that was powerful. It takes a lot to get these pipes ready. All right, fill them up and let her rip. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. There was no breath that time. This is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Now I don't know which way you're coming from. Do, do you, you want me to do it again, but with the breath? I just want to make sure that you're oxygenated, okay? I don't want to see you over there turning blue because you're too busy laughing at all the I'm great little, jokes I'm we're a doing. little bit scarred from a comment like two years ago where the listener indicated that I breathed too much. Oh, well, <laughs> the person's probably a real dickfish. <laughs> Breathing's a pretty cool thing to do. It's yeah, it is a thing most people do. That's true. Yeah, it puts it makes your. I guess I'm, I'm not really sure of the specifics, but um, I guess you need it. It's like food for your lung stomach. Yeah, do, and that's that's the best that I've gathered. Uh, I have lots of organs. I'll be gosh danged if I know what they do. Heart pumps blood. Brain thinks thoughts. Anything other than that, I mm-hmm. like pancreas, liver, kidneys. Did you know? The skin is your largest organ? Uh, not really. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Oh, boy. Too many small wonders. That joke. That joke was it. Uh, Comic-Con was fun. I had a fun book tour. It's a very personal small wonder, but I went and... Very star-studded week for you. A weirdly star-studded week. Uh, yeah. I saw weirdly a lot, like, more, uh, famos than I've, like, seen. Did anybody say, oh, yeah, Griffin McElroy from the podcast Wonderful? I yes. Uh, David Duchovny. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Which is not, not David Duchovny. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to break your heart. That's a bummer. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, I it was it was a very fun time that was also completely bizarre and like profoundly out of my area of expertise. But uh-huh. uh, gosh dang it, we got through it anyway. And I saw those pictures of you. You looked real cute. Thanks, babe. Yeah, I did a red carpet photo mm-hmm. shoot at an Entertainment Weekly event. It was pretty. Pretty pretty wild, man. But mm-hmm. here I'm back. I'm and I'm just. Which you did have to purchase a blazer. I on did. The road. <laughs> I bought a, a a blazer at Macy's because I didn't, you know, I didn't pack for EW. Mm-hmm. But what's your small wonder? My small wonder is ice cream sandwiches. Yeah, and I'm glad you're doing this in a small wonder, not a big wonder, because you're you not a big fan. Don't like them. It's so strange to me. What don't you like about it? Biting ice cream. Don't like it. But they have the little outside that's all soft and easy to bite. Oh, but oh my God. Now I'm thinking about that stuff getting stuck to the roof of my mouth, but I'm also have this cold ice cream up against my teeth. I have sensitive teeth. You know this. You maybe don't know this. I didn't know they were sensitive to temperature. I thought they were sensitive to everything else, but I didn't know temperature too. Yeah, much like the rest of me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, God doesn't give with both hands, you know? What did he give with the one hand? My enormous organ. Come on. Uh, It's been a hundred years. I don't know who goes first. I have a suspicion it's me. Here's a quick question. Hot enough for you? Jeez. It's really hot in here. It is. Yeah, but I thought you were used to it by now because you like set the thermostat to do this. This very thing. It's hot in these rhinos. Ace Venture. Uh, It is my turn to go first this week. Ace Ventura is my, no. Uh, My first thing is the superhero that we call Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man, pound for pound, Spider-Man is probably my favorite uh, superhero. 
Uh, I Seems li- about right. I like him a lot. I just got back from Comic-Con, obviously. And in the middle of that like book tour trip, I saw uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. So I'm kind of just like keyed up to talk about the Spider-Man. I didn't even ask you. Did you enjoy that film? I enjoyed the ever-loving crap out of it. It was really good. I liked it even better than Homecoming, which oh, is like fantastic. Well, I really want to see it. Yeah, we should. I would definitely go see that one again okay. in a heartbeat. Um, you should probably see Endgame first shoot. I think it's out next oh. week. Okay, but we'll we'll talk off air about what movies we're going to watch when. Um, <laughs> I I have never been like huge into comics, which you might think is a lie because we just did one with Marvel. But like it was always around me because my dad wrote comics did and Justin collected or comics. Did Travis pursue comics? <sighs> Not to the, the extent that dad so did, certainly. So interesting to me, like uh, how that happens when... When a parent like so exclusively loves something, how it's like hit or miss whether or not it continues. Yeah, I mean, I I, they, I think they know more about comics than I do, so like mm-hmm. uh, I have to you know think that they they do they they did uh, dive into the comic scene more than I did when I was a kid, um, and like for me it was just video games, and that was basically it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, so like my exposure to Spider-Man has been mostly through movies and games. I saw the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie on opening night after a uh, rehearsal for some play we were doing. And it was like a midnight showing. Uh, and I was pretty young and it was badass. I was like, oh, so this is the Spider-Man I've heard so much about. Uh, and I think it speaks to the fact that like my only exposure is through movies and games. And there have been like a lot of good ones of both of them. Uh, and I think that's just because Spider-Man is a really good, interesting superhero. He's got like the best blend of interesting powers, but also like interesting real life stuff as compared to like all the other superheroes. Um, there's like a vulnerability to him that I really like. I've always thought like if people find out that, uh, Bruce Wayne is Batman at the end of the day, he's still like a kajillionaire. So he'll probably be okay if people find out Clark Kent is Superman, he's still this like invincible super god that can go up and, you know, explode the moon. Uh, but Peter Parker is just like a, you know, kind of nerdy, clumsy, like kind of not clumsy. He's extremely, he's extremely coordinated because he has superpowers for that. Uh, but like the the comics, especially kind of the early ones, deal with, you know, uh, growing pains and that, you know, high school drama and also the fact that he's like living in New York and completely broke and yeah. some of the, the things that go along with that. Like it tackles all these subjects that make you think like, oh, Peter Parker's life is not super good. And he has a lot of really great people, a lot of really great characters who could and do get hurt when people find that the, the truth about him. Uh, and I've always been sort of drawn to that. I feel like it gives them a lot. Whoever is writing Spider-Man, whatever, has like a lot to work with. Um, and I also think that that kind of goes hand in hand with his powers, right? Like he is agile and he's pretty strong. And he can shoot webs. But other than that, like you can you can mess Spider-Man up in a fight. Like Spider-Man can get hit and get like torn yeah, up in a way that. That suit's pretty thin. A suit's pretty thin unless it's the awful like nanite fucking metal suit from uh infinity war no thanks no thanks no thanks put that back the the web the web doesn't seem i mean it seems strong enough to support a human man but couldn't you just chainsaw right through that i think you could probably chainsaw right through it and that's why spider-man's mortal enemy the lum the lumberjack (laughs) always always manages to get him and kill him 
He's and killed him like 12 about, wasn't times. Wasn't there a wrestler that was like hacksaw? Bonesaw is ready. Yeah, Bonesaw. Bonesaw. Yeah, but he beat Bonesaw's ass, so that's it. I don't think he had Bonesaws on him, so maybe in Spider-Man 4, uh, he'll, you know, or 3, come, he'll come back and, you know, <laughs> have Bonesaws. Uh, he is, he's also like a nerd, but like not in the cool Tony Stark way. He is like a, yeah. he's an absolute brilliant genius, but he is also like a nerd in like the cultural sense of the term and uh is like very very unsuccessful in social situations despite the fact that he is spider-man um and like i also like the fact that despite he has like worked with the avengers to save the world from these entities of cosmic horror uh he is still like mainly the neighborhood the friendly neighborhood spider-man who is just like kind of trying to keep stuff from stuff from getting bad in queens and so yeah. there's like an intimacy there that like i don't i haven't really found in any other uh most other superheroes i should say um i just think like i don't know for a superhero who has been around as as long as spider-man has like it's it's kind of wild to me how much like staying power that he that 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 he has like i haven't seen a superman movie or whatever or a batman thing since the first two christopher nolan films where i was like ooh a, this is a good story that this superhero can generate but like most spider-man movies um even the andrew garfield ones which i did not love were still like i don't know above the bar uh, oh God! Into the Spider Verse was like my favorite movie yeah. of last year. Uh, here's some Spider facts. Uh, he first appeared in Amazing Fantasy number 15 in 1962, created by uh, uh, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. Uh, and what was really cool about the book? It came out during the Silver Age of comics, which was like it had a pretty set uh, relationship between superheroes and teenagers, which is to say, like they were their their wards they were their sidekicks and flunkies and whatever and spider-man was the first like teenage main yeah. superhero despite the fact that like in every other sense of the term like he could have been a sidekick he was a dweeb and you know yeah. he was kind of he was kind of scrawny and then he got powers but instead of you know pushing him into the uh the sidekick role that you know he was the leading attraction uh and uh i don't know people just went people just went wild for it um, yeah, I just really like, I really, I enjoy Spider-Man. I enjoy his games. There was a good PlayStation Spider-Man game that came out last year. Swinging on webs is the coolest, like, way of transit any superhero has. The no musical, though. The musical, let's talk about Turn Off the Dark. I had never seen it, uh, unfortunately. Well, I wasn't it only available to the public for like a very short time? It was on it was on Broadway for three years. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. it was on Broadway for three years. I read a plot synopsis because I didn't even know. Ain't, y'all, it is fucking wild. There is like some figure out of like Greek myth that coaches him through like the training process of his powers and wow uh, yeah it's uh it's 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 wild there is and there's a scene where he fights the sinister six apparently just like over the audience I read that and I was like oh that's why this thing was an engine that consumed ankles <laughs> for fuel uh yeah Spider Man. Good man. superhero. What's your first thing? My first thing. Supportive sandals. 
You always take a drink when I say what my thing is. Well, it's because I just talk for a long time. Supportive sandals, though, I don't know what it means, but I assume it's like, uh, Rachel, you had a hard day. Why don't you, uh, <laughs> you can have that extra Dove chocolate. Rachel, did you lose weight? Because Rachel. I'm feeling a little less pressure on me. Rachel. Rachel. Let me give you a massage. <laughs> that would be, why don't those exist? Big boots you slap on that rub you while you walk on them. While you walk on them. I think that's where the challenge is. They'd have to be pretty big to get the servos and stuff inside. Yeah, and probably very hot. Mm, unless they had a cooling spritz spray Ooh, inside of them also. Stamp down there. But then they also have a dryer function. <laughs> yeah, but that's gonna but then there'll still be that mildewy scent. Good news, it's got odor spray. And you can customize it. A lot of sprays and, and yeah. Well, then you need the secondary fan system to dry it. It almost the... seems like you'd need a pair of pants to go with the shoes. And then, then some of the tech can go up oh, through uh, the pants. Well, yeah. I mean, the pants are mainly going to be sort of like storage for all the fluids that these shoes consume. Because mm-hmm. they are gas powered also. Diesel. So that's good for the environment, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> so why don't these exist? It seems like it we've seems worked like it we out. It seems like we need them. Uh, well, I am actually, I'm referring to supportive sandals kind of in contrast to the typical shoe of the season, which is the flip flop. Oh, I see. I'm not wearing them right now. I know that you just, I just, I just clocked your shoesies. Yeah. You got a, you got a fun flirty little strappy, uh, brown number and I don't know what anything about shoes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm talking more about the sandal that is designed for summertime wear. Um, but it has arch support and like you know, curved footbeds and, and, you know, like, like a variety of things that are designed to be more supportive for the foot. I believe I had, I believe you got me a I pair did, I of bought these. You some yeah. Because you almost exclusively wear sandals in the summertime and it ends up being really harmful for your feet well, no, if I they don't have support. Upgraded to boat shoes, didn't I? Thanks, mm-hmm. Cruz. <laughs> so here's, here's the problem with flip-flops. Yeah. Let me just put this out there. So there's no support in there. No. And what happens is that you can get plantar fasciitis. Are you familiar I've, with this? I've heard of it and I don't know what it is. I think fasciitis means of of the skin. Maybe. Maybe. Neither of us are medical professionals. <laughs> or of the face, the skin of the mm-hmm. face. And then fascism is... Bad, obviously. Is when the skin is, you know, oppressive. Yeah. Uh, no, plantar fasciitis is um, related to the arch of your foot. So there's like a like tissue, like a band of tissue in the arch of your foot. And if you don't have appropriate support, um, you can start to get pain in that area um, because you're just putting weight over and over again on like the ball and the heel of your foot. And it's like putting pressure on the tissue and yeah. then it can really hurt. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but sometimes if I wear like flip flops all day, by the end of the day, like I have like a lot of like pain and cramping. Hmm. Well, I guess my little life hack there is to n- just sit at your desk <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> um, if you get too many bouts of plantar fasciitis, your body will start producing a new like bone. What? In your foot. Cool. Which can f- cause like a heel spur on the back or bottom of your heel. Or is it evolution finally trying to get a tail up in there? <laughs> Hmm? A foot tail? It, I mean, the body is figuring it out. It's the like it's evolution, babe. And like you know, twenty generations, maybe it'll work its way up. Oh, did you hear they rebooted foot tails? <laughs> that was nothing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to sing the whole song, but make it foot tails. And I want you to do it right now, I think. Life is like a walking cane here <laughs> in Footburg. <laughs> That's good enough for me. Thank you. Uh-huh. Also, if you wear a lot of flip flops, you'll notice that you start to kind of curl your toes a little bit to oh, kind of hold yeah. them on. Mm-hmm. Um, which can uh, cause your toes to bend up in a fixed position and you get like the hammer toe. It also gets it in the like grundle between your big toe and second toe, your uh, pointer, your pointer toe. Mm-hmm. And it can just really rub you, <laughs> rub you raw. Yeah, down there. yeah. But like a supportive sandal, like addresses a lot of those issues. Um, and I think there's this whole like barefoot movement now oh, of yeah. just like, Human beings don't need shoes and you can toughen your feet, you know, by, by just then the best support for your foot is to not obstruct any cool with shoes. But here's the thing, like that may be true that people didn't start out with shoes, but they were walking on like soft surfaces like dirt and sand and grass. Yeah. And now it's a lot of concrete. They hadn't invented like nails and staples and Legos yet. Well, and also like the, the dirt or the sand will kind of contour to support your heel. Right. Pavement doesn't do that. No. So I, this is just more, I mean, it's appreciation for the support of sandal, uh, like a Teva, for example. Oh, yeah. I've always said Tevas. I just don't think that's right. I don't think you think that's right. <laughs> You're saying it like it is is a word that exists in Spanish, and I don't think that was ever the intention. Mm, agree to disagree. But uh, yeah, I, I it's more of a PSA, really. For, for those of you <laughs> that are exclusively wearing the flip-flop in the summertime, may I introduce you to the concept of a supportive sandal? Mm-hmm. A little more money, but greater durability and support for your feet. Yeah. And um, then make you sound like a duck when you walk. My professors back at at college would like know when I was coming down the hallway because it was just like clap, clap. Um, You got a loud flop. I had a loud, heavy flop and it pretty much ended my professional assassin career. (laughs) Hey, can I steal you away? I wish you would. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. 
Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain Are you following the ARG at home? Hey, this is a message for Liz. It's from Patrick who says, here's hoping we've made it intact to month in of our mini crutches life where in could be anywhere from minus two to four. My head is fucking reeling right now. I didn't even try. I just, as soon as it seemed mathy, I just checked out. (laughs) Absolutely spinning out of control wildly. Uh, Maybe more. You're wonderful. And I'm guessing the baby is wonderful too. You might not be the party's face in D&D, but you definitely are in our family. Love you through critical hits and failures alike. Let's get square pie tonight. I believe this is a message about a baby. About a baby. Don't do it. Everyone knows. Don't do it. What? the? Oh, you thought I was going to do the 1-800-COLLECT? Uh-huh. Was Jim Carrey in that commercial? <laughs> no. Then it shall pass us by. Hey, did you see this next personal message? It's also about D&D. Oh, no, I didn't. It's for Rob. It's from Kate. Happy anniversary, Rob. It's been 10 dang years. Holy crap. You're a great husband, a wonderful father, and a fantastic human being. I look forward to so many more years with you playing D&D, raising our three kids, and having a great time together as partners in life. I love you, Kate. Man, it's really hard to find a D&D group. So I applaud you for going above and beyond. Especially just by, they've got three kids. Well, that's what I'm saying. You've made, you've made your D&D group. You have forged one from, oh. from, from nothing. And I think that that shows a lot of dedication to the game. The Greatest Generation is a Star Trek podcast that destigmatizes the very idea of having a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> We're Ben and Adam, the hosts of The Greatest Generation, and the technology we've developed is that nobody knows what you're playing in your earbuds. You know, with legalization, it's easier than ever to find out what's in your buds. <laughs> but we suggest that you legally find The Greatest Generation wherever you download your podcasts. We'll send it to you in a discreet, unmarked package. (laughs) And nobody has to know but us. That's The Greatest Generation, the Star Trek podcast that you didn't know you needed, yet makes you feel like you belong. What's my second thing? I was just wondering that. (laughs) My second thing came out of left field. It's a new new thing. I I generally try to touch on older subjects. This is hot and fresh, and the, the active word here is hot. Because I want to talk about the Netflix television program, Blown Away. This is, 
Last week was wild. It's a little amazing to me that you started watching this without me. I'm just going to say that. Well, I didn't think that you'd be into it. I thought it was going to be a bad show. Uh, And then me and Justin watched like four episodes of it. And oops, it's incredible. (laughs) Uh, Last week was like wild because our book launched the second graphic novel. Uh, I went on tour, had this like buck wild time at Comic-Con. The biggest thing was when I discovered Blown Away on Netflix. It's a reality competition show about glass blowing and it's just a wild wild ride every episode start to finish is a fucking roll a 22 minute roller coaster you will scream and cry and go on just an absolute the the greatest journey of your life start with this glass blowing it looks really really cool to do it you look like a like all they do is they like get these blobs of molten glass on these big straws or whatever, and then they put them in the thing, and then they can spin them and work with like tools. You look like a fucking warlock of glass. Are the folks that compete on the show like full time professional glass blowers? They are. I would love it if they were just home glass blowers who had uh, uh, like other. <laughs> That's what I was wondering, like, is yeah. this a hobby? Yeah, it's like I've been blowing glass for two months. Ah. <laughs> beans uh i just like they they get they get the little blobs and the color like pellets and they shove them in a a furnace through what's called a glory hole which is hysterical (laughs) and they cut and shape it with all these specialized tools and then they put it in an annealer to slowly cool it so it doesn't break like i've learned more about glass blowing i went from nothing to like i think i have a pretty like firm understanding of how glass blowing works uh, which I didn't expect, so that's that's fantastic. Um, there's also like it's enough to make me think like I could probably blow some glass, which is a new a new desire in my life. Like I could probably make a pretty cool looking sphere or uh, or something. Classes do exist for that. I I remember because my friend Ariel took glass blowing classes briefly. I understand that, but it, please also understand that I would be very afraid to get some of the hot glass on me. Because mm. what do you do? Do they wear big protective gloves? Uh, yeah, they, I mean, they do. And then they have that weird, like, newspaper pad that they can kind of, like, roll it on. Mm. I imagine that provides some, but it's still, the fear of me getting the hot glass on me (laughs) would kind of suck a lot of the fun out of the process. Um, and it's just such, like, a visually captivating process. It's like you're making glowing candy, and that's, like, one reason why the show works so well. Um, but also it's because these glass blowers featured on the show are like these brilliant glass wizards who have been glass blowing for so long they have forgotten completely how to speak and interact like human beings <laughs> uh which is not to like completely knock them but like the way they talk about glass the way they talk about this red hot sand makes it sound like they are talking about like snakes or crocodiles or something like the a fun drinking game would be like anytime anybody says like well that's glass for you or like, well, yeah, whew. glass will do that to you. Ah, ah. That's just that's just glass. Oh, oh, I know that sound. That's glass. <laughs> it's just every every like forty five seconds, somebody talks about some property of glass as if they are talking about uh, the most precious diamonds or the most dangerous gun. These people fucking love glass more than anything. And I have no metric for judging glass, uh, which makes like figuring out the winner kind of a shock every time. Unlike like a cooking show, I feel like I can see food and be like, mm, I bet that one's the best. This one, I'm like, I don't know. That's a pretty good cup. That's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good light fixture, I guess. Whoa, a chandelier. That's probably going to win. Uh, and 
the biggest reason, and now I'm going to show my hand, that it's so watchable, and this is horrible, but the glass breaks all the fucking time. The glass breaks constantly. Not a joke. Every episode, one or two people's glass just fucking shatters, and they have to start over, and the challenges go for like five hours, and they'll be like on hour four, and just like, bink, oops, gone. And then it's like, well, okay, I have an hour. Let's try and redo it in one hour. Uh, And it's constant. It's like if you were watching Top Chef, or like, it's like if you were watching Great British Bake Off, and every episode, two people dropped their, you know, 14-tier cake on the way up to the judges' table. I always like, I always yearn for that when I watch those baking competitions, so I'm excited to know this exists elsewhere. And you don't want it to happen. Like you don't well, yeah, want no. these pe- these wonderful sorcerers. You want to watch it happen. Kind yeah. of though mm-hmm. is the problem. Is that you do need it and want it because you're <laughs> filthy inside. Um, but it turns every episode into a fucking horror movie because they will like get you set up. Like whenever it like zooms in on somebody and they're like tapping their uh, their their like their hose to get the the glass thing off of the end of it. You know if they leave it on that shot for too long, you're like. That shit's about to fall yeah. to the ground. And then sometimes it doesn't happen. And you're like, well, now I don't know. It's like it was it's like it, uh, like it was paced by a master horror director because uh-huh. it sets you up to have these expectations and then uh, swerves on them constantly. Uh, I just like I need I need this to become a genre. What's I, the name of the show again? I already blown away. Blown and away. you know, they're going to use that pun a great deal in this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at the end when they judge, like the artist who really blew us away was blank. And then they'll be like, the artist who failed to blow us away. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. like, wow, this is a good show. I who want- are the judges? Like, yeah. I-, I feel like the expertise in this area would be very limited and that it, by like the third season, you would literally have run out of people that could do it. So there's one like master glass worker who is like the artist in residence judge. And then there is, they get, we'll bring in a guest judge who- Like Paul Abdul. Like Paul Abdul. No, it'll be like um, either a glass blower or like they will have- a they did one for um uh why they wanted a goblet like a they wanted a wine glass and a decanter and they had like some wine expert come in who could like judge the like physical properties of it but then there's also the host of the show who's like in the judging room with them and this guy is a total idiot he doesn't know anything about glass so he'll point at something and he'll be like "Mm, that one is uh nice and red (laughs) yes (laughs) is that's is he the, like that, a comedian type? Uh, he's like a host type. Okay. He is the audience surrogate. I don't know what that is, he will say, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, blown away. Watch it. Cr- just cram it. You're going to just absolutely love it. Can I say my second thing? Yeah, please. I'm trying to think of how to describe this. And the best thing I can say is the story that is floating McDonald's. Yeah, I mean... I think you could even describe it more than that. <laughs> um, are you familiar with the concept of a like a floating restaurant, like a restaurant that that is on a a boat or barge? Yes, there there was one in Huntington that did sink. Yes, so that's the thing. They almost always do. Oh, do they? <laughs> Oh, man. So I, I, the reason I got connected to this was last week on Stop Podcasting Yourself, they had a woman who was a writer and apparently she did a big story on 
the floating McDonald's that was in Vancouver. Hmm. And I was like, how funny St. Louis had a floating McDonald's. Was this like a thing? Only in those two cities. Okay, I was about to say, <laughs> I've never heard of this in my life. Um, and it kind of makes sense. So St. Louis is right on the Mississippi River, which runs between Missouri and Illinois. Uh, the Mississippi floods a lot. Yeah. Uh, less so lately because of climate change. There I said it. Um, and for a while in the 80s and 90s, they used that river a lot for like floating casinos, for example, and floating restaurants was kind of the other thing. And they still apparently do like riverboat cruises. Mm. Um, Mississippi is not a particularly pretty river. It is literally very muddy. Yeah. Uh, So I imagine that was a little difficult to sell. Um, Unlike the proud Ohio River, with its crystal clear (laughs) waters, you can see the healthy catfish through. (laughs) That will eat you healthy catfish and they'll jump right up in your arms, ready to go. (laughs) Uh, so the floating McDonald's in St. Louis opened in 1980, closed in 2000, uh, could seat 375 people and was open year round. Why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why? Why did they need a boat one? Why did they need a boat one, baby? Tell me. So I was reading about it a little bit. I think initially... The person that was responsible, I don't know if it was a franchisee or whoever it was, but the person was actually trying to get the McDonald's into the visitor center below the Gateway Arch. Okay. Uh, And it was just impossibly expensive. And so they were like, oh, well, what if we take this barge, we make it look like a riverboat because St. Louis has a big history of riverboats because of the Mississippi. Uh, And then we crash it it right into the fucking Gateway Arch. (laughs) Now our McDonald's is in there. Uh, so they, so yeah, so it lasted 20 years. I went to this barge. I remember, I have very strong memories of it as a child. How's the food? I mean, it's, you know, McDonald's, so. Incredible. <laughs> they, so they designed it to look like a stern wheel paddle boat. So it had this kind of like touristy quality to it. Okay. And it was right next to the arch. So you'd like go up in the arch and then you'd go get McDonald's on the, on yeah, the barge. Yeah, that's what it is. You look out those weird observation windows from the top of the arch and like. I'm going to eat at that McDonald's boat. <laughs> cool. I can see. Oh, look at the beautiful river. Yeah, look at the beautiful McDonald's boat in it. Uh, so it closed in 2000. I don't think for lack of business, but because it needed extensive renovation and which it just like didn't make sense to do that. financially. Yeah. You can't pull it into a like a McDonald's dry dock. Uh, <laughs> the one. <laughs> I just pictured like Grimace out on the side with like a little like wash rag, just trying to do some of the work. I mean, that's that's the that's the question. Which of the McDonaldland peoples was the captain? Because you know it ain't Ronald. You know Ronald's not out there. You think he's the face? He's the face, but like he's not putting in the work. But I think somebody they needed a trusted hand on the rudder. Uh, Who was the lady duck creature? Uh, uh, Birdie. Yeah. Yeah. She seemed to have leadership potential, I think. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they would let Mary McCheese be in charge of anything ever. No, again. and I mean obviously not the Hamburglar. No, not the Hamburglar. Are is you that kidding all me? Of them? That's the this is the Hamburglar's perfect fucking crime. Is <laughs> all you drive it all away. All you gotta do is jack this boat, and then like the keys to the kingdom are his. He can not only <laughs> steal as many burgers as he wants, he can make them. He has he has obtained the means of production. Well, eventually he'll run out though. Willie, or can he just f- fish up some Ooh. river beef? Ooh. 
Do you want to hear about the other one? The one in Vancouver? I Yeah, I do. So the McBarge, officially named the Friendship 500, was a McDonald's restaurant built uh, on an 187-foot barge for Expo 86 in Vancouver. So this was like the World's Fair right, yeah. in 1986. Uh, it could serve up to 1,400 people. Holy shit. Built at cost in today's dollars, it would have been $26 million. Holy shit. The staff had little sailor's uniforms, and the dining room had panoramic views of Vancouver. Well, that sounds nice. It was intended to be a McDonald's restaurant long after Expo 86, but apparently the barge was vacated and remained empty on the Expo grounds until 1991. What happened? So they just, it, it's kind of like a World's Fair or like the Olympics right, where people sure, sure, do sure, these sure. big showcase pieces and then they just Leave them atrophy. There. Yeah. Uh, in 91, the new owner uh, removed it because they were forced to. Um, it had been anchored derelict in the Bird Inlet um, until 2015 when an individual named Howard Meekin removed it to Maple Ridge in the northeastern section of Vancouver. Is it still a McDonald's or is it just no. a big boat now? No, at this point it is nothing. It's just a big empty boat. Okay. There's got to be some McDonald's brand signage on the boat still though right well so here's what happened so he was going to spend 4.5 million to renovate the barge and turn it into a deep sea museum that's a, uh okay. to be named deep ocean discovery center but then he realized how expensive that was <laughs> it's 4.5 million is a lot of money and he thought oh hey vancouver city council give this a historic place status and then i can get more funding from government grants <laughs> This McDonald's, this derelict McDonald's is a fucking institution. <laughs> From ye olden days of 1986. Right. Um, he did not get enough petition signatures. Uh, and so then they planned a crowdfunding campaign, but had to cancel the event they were planning to hold in October due to bad weather. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like God doesn't want this beautiful boat. McDonald's. And apparently that was just kind of the end of it. Yeah. At least as far as we know. I mean, that's been two years now. Yeah. Nothing's happened. When they decommissioned the St. Louis one, do you think they just like cut the rope anchoring it and just let it float down the river? And now it's somebody else's problem. Here's another interesting thing. So, uh, nobody really knows exactly what happened to the McDonald's thing, or at least I couldn't find it online. But there was a Burger King floating restaurant oh. in St. Louis built in like opposition to the McDonald's Fuck floating restaurant. Yes. So I could not find a lot of details on this Burger King barge. But in 93, during this huge flood, it got swept away and headed straight for the Poplar Street Bridge and rammed into it holy shit so they were able to rescue it but then it rolled over two months later and sank oh no apparently when the river goes lower in <gasps> periods of drought you can see it so in 2012 when the mississippi hit all-time lows like the <laughs> burger king barge yeah. like rose out of the you, ashes you see the grim skeleton of of vid kid if you read about other floating restaurants across the country, like almost every story is it broke loose during a flood and ran into some bridge mm -mm. every time. Mm -mm. Naval warfare. The ghost oh. the ghost ship McDonald 
<laughs> the ghost ship McDonald and its spectral crew came in, unmoored the, their rivals, and sent them to uh, their own watery fate. Mm-hmm. God, that was good. Tell me about the the floating restaurant in Huntington. I cannot remember what it was called. It was not. Uh, we had two actually. One okay. of which was like a restaurant and bar that I did not frequent very often, so I do not remember what it was. The other one was just kind of like a. Uh, it was well outside of Huntington. I, my dad's going to kill me that I don't remember because we actually went to this one quite a few times, um, and it just it was just kind of a restaurant that you would walk down a pier to get to. It yeah. wasn't necessarily a full blown boat. Uh, and it sank like while I was still living in Huntington. It, yeah. it, it like it like went under. I think the the barge bar ended up being okay. Yeah. But um, it, okay in the sense that it didn't float. It was not a very fun place to be. If memory yeah, serves. it's hard to say. It's not like the food is particularly good on these floating restaurants, but the concept of it is very charming and very problematic and kind of delightful. Yeah, there's one. Uh, there's but there is one in Hong Kong. Remember that? Yeah, like we uh-huh. tried to get into, and it's like it's like a really fancy uh, yeah. roast duck restaurant, but like it takes a bit because you have to take a ferry out to it. It is just like this yeah. huge, hyper colorful boat. Uh, I, w- I would love to check. That out. I think a lot of times people assume the novelty is enough and they don't work too hard on the food. Yeah. Um, Apparently they and do. And also it's, it sounds like it's not a great investment. So yeah. why would you put a lot of money behind great cuisine if you're probably going to lose it in a few years anyway? Yeah. Like they always say, the two best days of your life are when you buy your boat and then when the ghost ship McDonald comes <laughs> and sinks it and you collect the insurance money, which you split with the ghost ship McDonald because you had a whole racket. You had a whole racket going, didn't you? James. <laughs> Crack the case. Hey, here's what our friends at home are talking about. Katie says, my small wonder is vacuum cleaners that have a, a self-winding electrical cord. The fact that it saves time by just pressing a little lever with your foot and makes a satisfying zoob sound as it winds up. Perfection. The one we have at work always reminds me of a robot slurping up spaghetti and makes vacuuming the lobby bearable each night. This is like one of those ideas that if Shark Tank had existed, would have shown up on Shark Tank and would have been incredible because it's such a like brilliant innovation. It is, but I'm pretty sure if they did that on Shark Tank, like none of the sharks would do it. And then like when the episode aired, Hoover would just be like, yoink. Yeah. Don't mind if I do. Henry loves this, by the way. It like always makes him laugh. It scares the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm afraid it's going to whip back and get me and plug into my leg and electrocute me. Mm-hmm. Even though I know that's not how any of it works. <laughs> uh, Rebecca says, I love when you take Friday off at work for whatever reason, maybe just to get an extra long weekend. And the Thursday before feels like your own secret Friday. TGIT? Mm. Yeah. Why don't you talk about this, Griffin? Why? Because I, I don't think this has affected you in a very long time. TGI, taking a Friday off work and then having yeah. a, a secret TGIT. Yeah, I mean, I, when I look around at my chums at the office mm-hmm. and know that these suckers are going to be here, uh, you know, scribbling the ink and dipping the print the pins and filing these paper clips all day. And <laughs> uh, Timmy, Timothy didn't make the coffee again and i look at them and i'm like oh thank god it's thursday 
because I, I, I hate you to, them. I, I hate should take them you so to work with me one Please time. Please do. Like I have a, like I, a take your husband to work day. I've forgotten, although you don't have any coworkers now either. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Heads have rolled. But I do have to go work. sit in an office space for uh-huh. 40 hours a week. Alone. Which comes with its own challenges. Yeah, like uh, the, uh, the, the sex doll, doll that you talk to uh, while you're there just to keep keep the loneliness from setting in. Sort of a Lars and the Real Girl situation happening there. And of all I'm, the comedic choices you could have made, you had to go with sex doll. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unlike the uh, unlike the potted plant that you've that you kiss. There you go. When you get lonely. Mm-hmm. Do you at least call the plant Griffin? <laughs> Uh, that's our friends at home. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. Find a link to that in the episode description. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Maximum Fun. Uh, if you are not familiar with the other shows on the network, I would recommend you go to MaximumFun.org and look through the huge list of podcasts every day. There are different podcasts that go up on that site. And it continues to be incredible. Yeah. And um, yeah, we have shows on there. You can go to macroy.family if you want to see all this stuff we do. Uh, Going to have new merch up in August. Uh, I think that's it. Gosh, I'm so tired. I can't think of a joke because I'm so tired, babe. Mm. <laughs> oh. Baby, end it. End the episode, please. In the episode, please. Oh. I had an idea, and I shared it with Griffin, and I think it would be a great bonus episode where we just spend the whole episode just bouncing ideas off each other on what our sign-off should be. How about none of your beeswax? doesn't really fit with the tone. Don't have a cow, man. That's Did- a wonderful pizza pie. Did I do that? Did I do that? Did I do that? Did I do that? Did we do that? Did we do it? Cheese, please. Did we do that? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. All right. Tom is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. And together we're the hosts of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. What does that mean for you, the podcast consumer? Well, it means that you're going to get a lot of stories about how we used to do weird stuff to people in order to try to fix them. Do you know that we used to think diseases were caused by bad smells? And that we used to eat mummies for medicine? That's super funny. I kind of like Well, thanks. And we hope you'll kind of like our show, Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. It's available every Friday wherever fine podcasts are sold or at its beautiful, picturesque home at MaximumFun.org.